Welcome to May We Recommend, a show where we talk about movies, music, and more. Joined with me is Sean and Otis. How are you guys doing today? Good. Dude, lovely day. Lovely fall day. It's lovely. Yeah. We have had snow all day. And so it's been a lovely day in that magical way that snow falls down and then you do not want to drive. (laughs) That's every day for me. (sighs) Wait, Sean, are you getting a lot of snow nowadays too? No, I just don't drive. Oh. Okay. All the downsides, none of the up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds lovely. That is a portrait of my life. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, it's bringing genius. So um, today we are talking about Mandy. And yes. uh, this is, Sean, this is your your favorite film, one of them? It's one of them. It's up there. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. All right. And uh, Otis, this is your first time watching it, right? Yes, it was. Okay. So up top, let's just take and see. What was your uh, what were your feelings about it, Otis? You know, interesting ride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's the adventures you have in your youth. Like they're largely uncomfortable, but in memory they're pretty good, right? In memory, these things are fun and lovely. That is a weird way to say you hate the movie. Yeah, so I am curious as to where you're going with this. <laughs> there are parts of the movie that I hated, that I questioned whether or not I should continue watching oh, it. And wow. if, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and had it not been for our plan to discuss this film, if it were just me on my own, I would not have made it to the half an hour mark. I wouldn't. Wow. If I was if I was in the theater by myself, nope. I would have got out and asked for a refund. Really? Half an hour mark. Okay. So Okay, you've got to go much, into that. I want to know. Before you go into that, actually, I want I want to know. All right. So this movie centers around a logger named Red and his wife named Mandy. And as you come into it, they're just kind of laying about enjoying each other's company since he's gotten back from his logging gig. She's seen by some uh, religious cult weirdos and they desire her and uh, they break into their house and mayhem ensues from there. What point did you check out? Honestly, it was the trek to the weirdos to the religious zealots like it was all it was atmosphere yeah it was all atmosphere i felt like everything about that was designed to make me feel uncomfortable yeah yeah it does put you off a little bit there's a romance there but it's uneasy romance like when he's back and he's sitting at the fire smoking a cigarette and you watch her walk up out of the water naked into the flames Mm -hmm. like it doesn't look like a beauty shot it's not meant to be like oh man he really loves her there's something sinister going on there and it is obviously setting up something you know but that's what i think makes it a beautiful love story because she is ugly right so 
I'm like, this guy has to <laughs> yeah. just love her. Um, <laughs> I didn't think she was ugly. <laughs> oh, oh, she's hard to look at. Um, oh. uh, so I think as an actress, she's a perfectly lovely looking woman. Oh, 100%. <laughs> She just had a scar on her face. No, no. It's, she shot, I think, in my opinion, in uh, like uh, a very uncomfortable way. Even when she's like by herself, like in nature, um, there, there's something really, I think, off-putting about her looks. And I, I, I feel like it's intentional. I, I Definitely intentional. They do everything that they can. Yes. To make her peculiar to look at. That is a very nice way of putting huh. it. I should have I, I, I should have said that. She's peculiar looking. <laughs> She's peculiar looking. In a very ugly way. <laughs> yeah. And like in a non appealing way for sure. Yeah, like yeah. there's there's something off putting. Like there's zero warmth there. So, so that's so I'm sorry, but it's really interesting because I think typically um, that would have they would have done the opposite. And I, I think I it's totally a... got to say this is not a direction I thought this conversation was going to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, to, to the looks of the the character, I didn't really think about that playing into the film that like she was shot to look uh, homely for some so, reason. So I, 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 it, di I didn't get that. Maybe it's, I don't, maybe homely wasn't the intention, but it's, it, there's, a, she has an uninviting quality about her appearance. And she's very, she, the character is very sweet, mm -hmm. but th there are shots at, at one point, um, it looked like her, her pupils are unevenly dilated. Um, yeah, it, there's just there's a lot of intent there that's really interesting to me, um, because typically in in a film where I think they're kind of building romance, um, yeah. you, people do everything in their power to make the characters look visually appealing. Uh, typically, you know, uh, romantic leads. I think, or, you know, they, they want the audience to kind of feel the way that yeah. the characters feel. Well, I mean, Strength. Nicolas Cage is pulling a face the entire time, too, where he's not making himself look the most handsome. So I can see what you're saying. Maybe they're just trying to make them look more like average people rather than glam the, them up. The, there's something beyond that with her, though. See, and, and I would agree with Sean as well. Like... So they didn't they didn't film Cage in the most beautiful light. They didn't. Mm -hmm. And and I do think that they were trying to push a different agenda with him. Like sure. but he was still the protagonist. Like they still needed the audience to be on his side, right? Mm -hmm. So so they wanted us they they wanted him to resonate with us in like in a very vigilante sort of way. Right. right. And we did. And I did. And I learned to like by the end of the moving. Oh, my gosh. Was I rooting for red? Like I'm yeah. team red 100 percent. And yet like they I don't understand the choice. Of portraying Mandy in such an unsettling way, like they like like she was the antagonist. 
yeah i i i i did not pick up on this and i'm not white knighting here like it just was not my uh okay my takeaway of it i mean everything was made to make me feel uneasy in okay. those scenes you know the whole movie is made to make you feel uneasy i mean hell have you seen the uh cheddar goblin yes <laughs> i mean it, it it's this movie is like marijuana and lsd you know see okay here's the thing is so much of this movie especially on the back half of the movie so after like it looked weird before and it sounded mm -hmm. weird before in a way that i was actually thinking that there might have been a parallel that she was actually on lsd the whole time before the the party came in before the the religious zealots were part of the narrative like yeah. she might she could have been tripping out the whole time which would kind of make sense because the the theme of the filming and how the music played around her was all very unreal man yeah um well yeah i mean there's there's a surreal aspect to the film i mean i think it has two sons wait like, really i don't think you're supposed to be like this is like an alternate reality, I think. Well, yeah, the way it's it's presented is honestly like um, with the title cards, it feels like a. It's going to be an odd comparison, but it, there's parts of it that feel like Lord of the Rings. So, like the way it introduces, like I, what were they called the the Shadow Mountains? Um, yeah, with the title right. cards. And uh, another interesting thing is the the title card for the film doesn't come in until about an hour and 15 minutes um, into the mm -hmm. movie. Um, it's just interesting. But I, I don't really see the uh, parallels that much to Lord of the Rings, but oh, uh, it definitely... I, I guess what I meant to say is they clearly establish, uh, at least how I took it, is that this is um, a fantasy world. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. See, that was some of the issues that I had with the film, is that I wasn't sure, I didn't feel like they were upfront about the world that we were viewing from. Oh, right? Really like, I was, I just thought that these shadow men, inside yeah. the film, I didn't know which world we were living in. Like, it looked and it felt... Like our world, it certainly didn't sound like our world, but like, which mm -hmm. I feel a little duped that I don't better understand those weird shadow men that were in there. Oh, you're talking about um, the uh, devil bikers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they explain them, you know, yeah. uh, in the trailer with uh, his friend there. When he's getting his crossbow ready, they talk about, you know, they were just bikers that, uh, you know, took a lot of LSD, got, got dosed with a bad batch, and now they're just in pain, but they love it. Uh, you know, it, it's explained, but it's not explained. I mean, why do they come to the, the horn of Abraxas? Why well, is that? Right. Well, right. I think that's really cool, though, because... 
you're you're taking something that is set up to be supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like underneath it all, they're just like junkies. They're like the the monsters are just people, you know. There there's there's yeah. nothing really supernatural about them. They just come off as these like otherworldly beings. Yeah, see, okay. Uh, And to a certain degree, I get that, and I like that. But the main problem, and this is the big sticking point for me in the movie, Uh you know, ethically. (laughs) Uh No, okay, so I can get it either being a, a, like, supernatural monster or a junkie, and I love the idea of telling it as a story that they're just junkies, mm-hmm. but with mythos on them. So that's very like real based. So that like, I like that play. And I thought about the angle too, except so after he shot the first one, yeah. Um, fell off his bike. He, he runs it down in his, and he explodes. <laughs> and that either was it a Bronco or a blazer? Whatever it was. Whatever it was, it looked like a blazer to me. Yeah, he hits that monster and the truck essentially explodes. Like, that is not a junkie. That is supernatural. Was it his four-wheeler there too, though? No, because he gets the four-wheeler later. Okay. No, I mean, it was his bike. Like, his bike might have been around there, but... No. What it looked like in the film, I'm back and notice up on this one, is that the spiky Hellraiser guy yeah. uh, is shooting at Red. Yeah. And when the blazer hits him, it pretty much flips over and explodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like hitting Superman. Like you expect a truck yeah. to hit Superman like that. Sure. But uh, that's the thing. This movie's surreal. It, yeah. It, I, it does. Yeah. It, it, it's not like grounded in reality at any point. I mean, like I think the atmosphere that you were picking up on earlier is uh gives you that pretty large hint early on. They're like, okay, everything has really weird colors. You're not quite on the earth that you know, I think. I mean oh. it's like it sets it up where it's like what I can't remember exactly how the the introduction card is set up, but it's like the Shadow Mountains. Uh, you know, 1983 AD, like it's it's written kind of the way you would write fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the fantasy novel in the movie is a book that doesn't exist. Right. The book that she's so, writing. No, the one she's reading. Like in the in the Mart where the older of the ladies comes mm-hmm. in and patrons her for five dollars. That she was writing. Oh wait, no, that's not. I think she at one point she is writing, but yeah, she it's not that book. Yeah, no, that's like uh, the Eye of the Serpent or something. Right. I can't remember offhand. The, the Serpent's Eye. Uh, you know, she reads aloud from it in one scene when she's on the bed, and I think her eyes aren't like oddly dilated. I think she has heterochromia. I think that's. Hmm. Oh really? Just yeah, I think so. Because I'm looking at the picture that I sent you guys. And one eye's brown, one eye's like blue. I mean, I do kind of like that trait. Yeah, I do do. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, 
you know, okay, so there was definitely like they did a lot of pupil play in the movie, though. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like all that. And here's another thing. So if I'm going to take this movie as a whole, I'm going to say as a whole, I enjoyed it. And it's mm-hmm. like, if we're, if we're talking about as a movie experience, yeah, it was like, it made me, if, if the point of art is to make you feel, it made me feel a lot. So I, yeah. so like, yeah. So in that way, it was a very successful film. I don't always care for the way it did it it controlled my feelings but yeah, one thing absolutely. is there was so much drug play in this film like you got like there's no way i would recommend kids watching this no. there's way too much lsd in this flick well no i don't think this is a movie for kids but no, like, it's r rated yeah i mean but, if i'm recommending an r rated movie i'm recommending it for people of that audience see except you know? I would go even further on this one. Like, I feel like the age cap should be like 30. Like, after. (laughs) Like, really? Yeah, like, after you've already done all the drugs you're going to do in this world, and after you've already kind of figured out who you were as a person, then it might be safe. Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier with the fact that this is a movie that made you feel things like an art piece that's what this movie is it's 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 artistic it's not just like a blockbuster film that is disposable like many of the movies today like this movie has a heart to it it has it it invokes something in there you know there's there's definitely uh you know emotions that you weren't expecting to feel in it and there's an unease throughout the whole movie and I think you're right about like the whole gatekeeping for people who have already done all the drugs. Cause that scene <laughs> where he meets the chemist with the tiger mm-hmm. is beautiful. And one of my favorite scenes in a lot of cinema, but yeah, I connected with it in a way uh, that I probably shouldn't have, you know, like, right. I thought it was very, um interesting and and i keep saying surreal but i can't think of a better word for it like uh it it, it was impactful so i i think one of the strengths of the film is like it it's bare bones plot right it's just a simple revenge story but i think Mm -hmm. it, it does a lot with that right so he took something that's very simple and then i mean love it or hate it uh, uh, what's his name? Panos Cosmatos. <laughs> he has, I, I don't know if you guys have seen his first movie. It's called Beyond the Black Rainbow. No, I haven't. He I has that either. Very distinct visual style, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that just kind of shines through. And I guess one of the, one of the things that I appreciate about it is uh, the guy's got a point of view uh, visually. Um, like, I guess, aesthetically, you know, because the score really fits. One of my favorite things is it opens up with uh, a fantastic King Crimson song. Um, yeah, it really does. Um, yeah. Wait, like I, the King Crimson song? Um, what do you mean the Crim- King It's their I band. Mean, I think it's the only one in it, but... Yeah, yeah, the opening 
uh, song in the movie is uh, Starless by King Crimson. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, oh, wait, never mind. Sorry, I think I was thinking of King Missile. <laughs> no, that would have been a very different movie. See, that's I've never seen the movie, and I was I was envisioning what kind of movie would begin with detachable penis. <laughs> no, uh, I no, I'm talking about <laughs> that would have set a whole weird tone. <laughs> like you're like, oh, I'm coming into this, this is going to be kind of a fun romp, and then you're like. Why, why, why they trick me in the beginning? Right. Like, what was that about? <laughs> so this is all me being just mudding up the waters. That's all this is. So I'm just, right. uh, I'm a huge fan of King, of King Crimson, and you rarely hear their music in film. And so that, to me right away, is like, set it kind of, like, that kind of set the, the mood of the film for me. Well, my dad's a huge fan of King Crimson. I never really got into them. Oh, I love too them. much. They're kind of prog rocky for they, me. They well, yeah, they're very prog rock. Yeah, yeah. and that's not really my genre. Well, it, I think it works for the for the film for sure. But I okay. I have no idea who these people are, so I've got nothing to comment on. Yeah, no, let's 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 circle back <laughs> around to the film. Um, all right, so you you didn't like a lot of the aspects of uh, the the surrealism, the hyper reality, or the uh, just straight up cartooniness of the um, bad guys, the antagonists. Well, you know, I don't mind cartoony bad guys. I don't, um, but and... I don't, I don't enjoy not knowing the lens to see a narrative through. Mm-hmm. I guess. Like I feel lied to a little bit when I like, and when I make feel like I'm told that these are the constraints of this world, sure, and then it shifts. It always feels a little deuces machina to me. Like we're like, like you're expecting this, you're expecting this, you're expecting this, and then oh wait, no, wait, like we're it's all not safe playing or, by it, its own rules, right? So I always feel a little bit lied to. So there's certainly some aspects. Of that that I feel in this piece, but it was devastating in other ways. Like there, there are a few scenes in movies that like stick out to me, and you know that just like with the level of anxiety, like that just it shuts down my whole brain when I when I see certain types of anxieties. Okay, um, yeah, this would be a very anxiety-inducing film for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, one of those scenes is, like, when he's slicing meat and the wrestler. When Mickey Rourke is slicing meat, if you guys remember this scene at all. Yeah. Yeah. Devastating. And I and I saw another scene in Mandy last night that was as devastating to me as that scene. And what's that? And that was the one where the uh, the religious leader essentially mm. made the woman play Russian roulette with herself to prove her love. Mm. That killed me. It was devastating. I could, yeah, it it shut me down emotionally. Interesting. Well, I when I watch this movie. It to me is like if you took payback with Mel Gibson, mixed it with acid, and then made it more heartfelt, 
like this movie has a definite heartwarming feeling to it to me like there is something uh a, a beautiful romance story in here mm. that like carries through the whole film and it ends with it and i won't get there quite yet because i don't think we're quite at the ending but um i i think that it it sets up this just i don't know kind of uh Beautiful romantic revenge story. So I kind of made light of it earlier, right? About uh, Mandy being ugly, but like when uh, how their love is portrayed feels genuine to me. I feel the same way. It feels like these two characters are they're in their own world, right? Kind of uh, living in the mountains, uh, away from everything. It kind of gives you the idea that uh, Red. Because he's obviously like a dry alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. So I and they tell you that without telling you that. That's that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. So, so I got the impression that they've like they've both gone through like previous trauma, and they're kind of safe with each other, right? Living out in the middle of nowhere, they're each other's sanctuary, and the mm-hmm. whole idea is that gets interrupted. Right in the worst possible way, and so nothing feels safe um, in, in the in the film. From from that point on, it just feels like um, both these characters are kind of dragged through hell, and that's kind yeah. of the feeling that I was left with. You know, so question on that point, and I would agree with you, absolutely. But in that scenario, in this telling, in this hypothesis of the film, mm-hmm. like what is benefited by having eerie, eerie music before the tragedy? I, I think that it just sets you up for the, like I said in the beginning, it sets an atmospheric tone for the rest of the film. It gives you, when you're coming in, you know that this movie is going to be unsettling. It yeah. does not give you that break beforehand. It says, I'm going to be an interesting film, and this is my tone. The lighting in the film, the the lighting in the film, the music in the film, and the tone of the film are all connected. But yeah, absolutely they are. But there's a way. I, I think that I see you what could, you're saying. Like, there's a way. You can have it be interesting and comforting. Like there, there is a way to make that happen. So Absolutely. Are you, are you saying that there isn't that there isn't as big enough shift in tone? Like the tone should have been more inviting to begin with. I do, and I don't understand why so much work was put into making it uninviting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's not. I don't think it was rejecting so much as it was like unsettling i did not feel like this movie was pushing me away so much as putting me off balance oh i full-on felt the first half an hour it was pushing me away it was daring me to not watch it so yeah i didn't feel that way at all like the the scene where she's kind of strolling through nature by herself i thought that was very serene um Mm -hmm. i i i think that was kind of the um the bubble I of comfort. Kind of, I kind of thought it was nice that there was like this uh, coziness to it yeah. with the offset of, you know, 
unsettling. There's it's very cozy. Like if you watch this movie, maybe without the soundtrack, you watch it without the sound on for the first thirty minutes. Maybe <laughs> you, you could get into it a little bit more. So you that's know. that's interesting. Like the soundtrack didn't have that effect on me in the beginning. I thought it was. Oh yeah, I I hated it. No, I didn't. I I guess I the score, not the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean whatever. I I think those two things are sway wave back and forth but no i felt like it was actively like making me uncomfortable when i should be because normally like you know we get sound cues Mm -hmm. as to like which characters we need to pay pay attention to like who is the red herring in a scenario who might be the red herring in a scenario like who's the villain all these things like there was a... they give you sound clues for red herrings. Otherwise, that wouldn't be very good. No, they well, do. Like, yeah. They absolutely do. Like they tell you that this character is not one you should pay attention to by not yeah intentionally by not having a character that should a character whose presence is enough to require a light motif to like mm-hmm. to be a moving part of the narrative. If they don't have one, that can be a telling sign. Well, I because they specifically I, don't. I think you just watch a lot of movies with musical stings in them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessarily like a rule that like has to be stuck to. Um, I, no, but I, I can I see, see that being saying. true. I yeah. mean, but it's like it's all part of the language of cinema now, right? It's like there are there's a language that we accept and that we understand, and. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's like the full picture, but like if you're going in expecting something, like, you know, you're going in to watch a movie and there's something in Latin. Like, I kind of want there to be like closed caption. I want to know what they're saying. I want there to be subtitles. Oh, see, I am not. I like it better when, if it's as long as it's not a long piece, but like when they speak in the native dialogue to those characters and Mm -hmm. it's not subtitled it puts me in the movie i don't know what they're saying the main character doesn't know what they're saying so it's better when it's not subtitled if that's the entry well i that depends on intent i think that if you're like trying to can like confuse your audience and make them feel that way that makes sense but also i think you know it that also depends on if what's happening is being uh, properly, uh, like, demonstrated through other means, you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I, like, I don't know. I did not know that this was going to be so challenging to get through <laughs> this movie. I thought we, you know, we'd give a rundown of it and then, you know, talk about how great the atmosphere was. The uh, soundtrack to Mandy... Uh, does give each title is titled for uh, like each person, I guess. There's Mandy's yeah. love theme, there's mm-hmm. the horns of Abraxas, the black skulls, which is the biker gang. You know, uh, Red gets his own little uh, little song, light motif, <laughs> light motif. I don't know if it's a light motif, and is that not totally reminiscent of Vader's too, like Vader's entrance? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think that's red becoming red before uh, the next, the very next song is "Forging the Beast," which 
what'd you think of that scene? Yeah. Really good. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, but man. That's that's another thing, too, that makes it feel fantasy. It, it, he's, like, crafting an otherworldly weapon. Like, that's... Yeah. yeah. Put aside where you couldn't get into it. When did you get into it? Honestly, so I really... I became invested mm-hmm. when... What what was what was the name of the church group? The uh, children. The children, children of the new yeah. dawn. Children of the new dawn. Right, 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 right. So when they came into the picture, when like the first scene, which was super unsettling, and okay. and I felt like so at I, the turn. Yes, like that's honestly everything before that. It just felt like it was pointlessly made me uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, now putting all that into perspective, like I can see where you're coming from for sure. Like it is uneasy and it's hard to get into. I can see that from your perspective. Sure. I didn't have the same experience with it, but you know, you've turned me around. I can say, yeah, maybe it is pushing you out a little bit, but that turn to the revenge makes the whole, there's a whole other movie there. Oh know? yes. And it gets, bananas and that i mean that was the movie that i wanted right like that was the movie well you got it right and it was great like that if you oh, yeah if you cut the first part and tell the turn if you mm-hmm. cut everything down on the turn to 10 minutes love it i don't know if it would set up enough emotional connection between the two of them in yeah. 10 minutes maybe like, you can but i, I think it, the movie what it does really well right is it shows the quiet moments that mm-hmm. people who are in love have yeah it's not the moments where they're like you know dipping the cake on each other's nose at their wedding and they're laughing and running together no man these are the moments where you're just kind of sitting with your wife and you're talking about something really macabre like i don't know when your father made you kill starlings and you know <laughs> like there's that uncomfortable uh, tenderness that comes from there oh okay well, sure but pixar did it in four minutes up four i don't think that was four it's <laughs> like it's like 10 minutes <laughs> but that's probably some of the strongest 10 minutes in film is the opening it really is. yeah it that's is a really unfair comparison amazing right it is yeah. amazing it tells um, you everything you need to know and it is full on show don't tell oh stunning also those are showing big life events that are like really easy to identify what I like about Mandy is the soft quietness where yeah it's, it's showing the little life events that right, make up right the totality of your relationship right so you see this guy he's he's uh working a tough job he uh he's going back home guy offers him a drink he just hard no you know uh gets home to his wife and is just absolutely quietly in love with her um and I think Nicolas Cage, he's kind of, kind of a meme, 
right? And he's one of these actors who, under the right direction, he'll absolutely mm. kill it. And I th- yeah, I, I thought that he was understated in this movie. Well, until he isn't, right? Well, yeah, but it makes sense for the role, right? I guess it's great. Like, like his over the top is perfect for the piece. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's it... but like he's playing real quiet and perfect the whole thirty minutes of the hated beginning, and then he becomes unhinged. And well, who does it better than Nicolas Cage? Right. <laughs> but, but oh, that bathroom scene when he yeah. was sharing that was oh, just a lovely, lovely scene. Right. Oh, it was very nice. But, I really liked how like he went and got the bottle from the drawer beneath the towels and you knew then you're like, oh, he quit drinking. Right. Right. And now he's fallen off the wagon. And uh, of course, he's, you know, uh, putting his antiseptic on his wounds is at the same time as, you know. Uh, getting intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did you, oh, just, it hurt me just to watch him slug back. Because, man, like, granted, he he dumped some on his wrists and his ribs. Oh, he did half a oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that just made me, uh, it made me throat hurt. <laughs> yeah. And I feel I like. I know that roller coaster feeling when it hits your belly when you've drank that much hard oh, alcohol. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it made me wonder if Cage actually did it. Hmm. Mm, I, feel, I feel like the movie would lose something if you trimmed down that beginning. I really do. You know, and you could be right. But what I don't understand still, and I know that we've already covered this, but if they wanted me to recognize the emotional connection that was happening between Red and Mandy, mm-hmm. why make me feel so uneasy about it, right? Because something's going to happen. This I, is not I, I think, that love story. It's a different love story. Yeah, I think Otis is just saying that the, there wasn't a big enough contrast. I, and I could be wrong. About sure, I mean, maybe they should have done happier music with them getting ice cream, but I just don't feel that that's the no, movie. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think that there's there's so many movies that do that setup, right? Every sure. revenge movie where a guy loses his wife is that. <laughs> like, look at, like, The Punisher, right? They're out having a picnic, and everybody's laughing and having a good time, and it's so... Uh, scenic like it, it's trope to death you don't get like weird staring at your wife while smoking a cigarette scene. except like no you don't and you can have those scenes like i have no problem with telling the story of an alcoholic who's dry with his wife and there's a very real chance that like some of her scars came from him right there's a chance oh, i don't that. think so i think no Cause like her scar was, you get a flashback to when they made him car, uh-huh. and she had the scar. I don't think Red abused her. I think she came from an abusive past, and he and her found each other. Yeah, I think they're both hiding from something. I think he's hiding yeah. from his uh, substance abuse, and she's hiding from, you know, looks like a, probably abuse from a father or a lover. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 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 For sure. I mean, but so they, 
they both have history, you betcha. Like, I have no problem with that story. That story is great. But the whole, the reason that I appreciate that story is because it means that two people with damaged past can find peace together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I love about those stories. Yeah, that's what I think it's telling, yeah. Right. Except it's why display them of not having peace at all. I that's I guess that's where I do I disagree. I like the fact you didn't like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I like no, about I mean I mean it's opening up an avenue of discussion that we didn't have in our first podcast. Both Sean and I were like, Yep, the thing's really great. Yep, I like <laughs> it too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so that's actually a problem that we brought up because it's like what can you say about the thing that hasn't been said a thousand times? Before. Yeah. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, I mean, and I don't think that that this movie is for everyone. And I said that going into it, I said that uh, Otis isn't going to like this movie. You did, yeah. Well, yeah and you took that challenge, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Except, so on a whole, I recommend this movie. Oh, it's worth watching. But there are parts that I hated. And then there are parts that really, really worked for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, on a whole, like, on average, yeah, dude, I recommend this flick. I to- do, too. I, I, You know, I know that, like, it's probably bigger recommendation coming from you, given the, the past conversation we just had. <laughs> but uh, I... I felt that this movie has something that I would recommend to somebody, even if I know, like, you're probably not going to like this movie, but it's worth the watch. I think it's fun and weird, and it makes you feel strange. Sure does. And and in a way that I like. It's not like Gummo or Kids, where I just feel really gross afterwards. It's in I a mean, way that like I feel like I went through something. I feel like this is therapy. Like oh, this movie for me is cathartic. Like something changes in me for the better having after uh, having watched this. After I've watched this, I feel like something has released the the acting that Nicolas Cage did when he was acting hurt, when he was tied up, like. I felt real emotion, like real acting from Nicolas Cage in this scene. Like the best I think I've ever seen him do. It was, I mean, it was solid. It was good. I, mean, I had no I, problem with it. Think, I think he's a top class actor, honestly. I think he gets I think a, he's a, a fine actor. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like, uh, like, I liked a lot of his movies, but I think that this is the best acting I've seen him do, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's a great performance too. I liked some of, some of the color choices in the Revenge oh, movie, yeah. but some of them I thought were just a little over the top. Did you guys have an issue with any of that? No, not at all. No, I enjoyed it. I, I overall, my rating on this movie, as far as performance and uh, atmosphere, cinematography, uh direction is this movie to me is like an eight out of 10. Like it is, is very high up there for me. Hmm. I don't know. I, man, I, I haven't even given it a star count yet. 
I mean, definitely four stars. So that would track four stars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys, we should all have our own rating system. That would that would be great. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Uh, what I liked is I said eight out of ten, and you said four stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Out of, out of infinite. <laughs> I mean, traditionally it's five, but I'm really hoping Sean does his in, in I bananas. Give it a, a Q. <laughs> a Q. <laughs> Love it. So, question to you, fellas, Jeremiah. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. His was an interesting story, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, like, like he he's pretty much any like Charlie Manson, Jim Jones kind of character. Total like narcissist. Yeah. Maybe even um uh, David Koresh ish. Sure. Um is that hmm so and and there you I'm sure you you are way well way more versed in cultism than I am for sure. But is that normally the personal philosophy that cult leaders run? That they're like that they were granted all pleasures and necessities and all their dreams by God? Oh, yeah, generally. a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, really? most of them come that way. So it starts off real small. And then, um, so a practice of getting you in the cult is love bombing, right? Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. And everybody loves you, right? <laughs> and then, um, you know, God speaks to me and he tells me that we should probably stop doing X. Yeah, and you should probably stop talking with your uh, parents or other people who are suppressive to you. Um, or judge what you're doing. You should probably cut them out of your life. And once they've isolated you from the outside world, Mm -hmm. that's when they start doing even more controlling things. Mm. Then they're telling you, well, I should tell you who you're married to or whom you're having sex with. And so that's when they start controlling your body. And then they take all the pleasure for themselves, you know, yeah. like you shouldn't have sex with him. You should have sex with me. I'm the leader and I have a divine right to pass on to you. Yeah. Hmm. And that happens over and over and over again through all sorts of cults. I think that's one so, of the main reasons they start a cult, right? Well, I don't think initially, I, a lot of them, I don't think so. I think that it's the power that corrupts. <sighs> So, except for Charlie Manson, <laughs> I feel like there's a whole bunch there that we could talk about. <laughs> but what what I love, right? Totally. What I love about the film is that Jeremiah in this one, like you see his philosophy waver, right? Yeah. Like when when he is laughed at by Mandy. Like, oh, right. Like that scene with him in the mirror. Like that's, that tells an interesting little story. She, she walks in and he says, do you recognize me? Expecting her to say that he's Jesus or whatever. Right. Right. And then she's like, I "I see. No, no. I think that 
he he is posing Christ-like. And he goes, do you recognize me? And she says, you know, the Reaper's getting closer. Sure. He goes, well, in time you'll know, you'll you'll learn to recognize who I am. Gotcha. And so that he I expected at that moment for her to be so messed up, he's in robes, posing like Christ, to be like, yeah, you're you're the second coming of Christ or whatever. Well, yeah. And she doesn't go that route. And they dosed her prior to that so that she'd be more susceptible. Mm-hmm. And stung her with some sort of weird bug. Yeah, cherry on top, right? That weird wasp. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were talking, I did like... Boy, howdy. I did like the play of Jeremiah in that one. Like, Say again? I did like the play of Je- like the emotional play of the cult leader in that one. I thought it was an interesting story to tell. Oh, yeah. His petulance led to her death. Right. Yeah. And that was. He, uh, he could not handle a challenge to his ego. Right. Yeah. That uh, is stunning. stunning. And then again, at the turn when Red finally got, you know, got his, mm-hmm. like that was another interesting, which I kind of didn't see it going, but I loved, I loved it when the co-leader offered fellatio. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a fantastic moment. Oh, that it was is, just like, that was then, full triumph. He realized how broken he was. Right. And he's like, no, no, you kneel before me. And he's on his knees. Like, <laughs> 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 I love that so much. It's such a visceral scene. It is so gross, but so rewarding at the same time. Oh, very <laughs> gruesome. But yeah, the emotional payoff is astounding. <laughs> it is. His fight through. Now, we skipped over one of my favorite things. And <clears throat> in any movie, and I brought this up with my kids, is I love a chainsaw fight. <laughs> yeah. I do. A chainsaw fight. Chainsaw. It's just the best. And and my son says, well, how many have you seen? I'm like, a few. <laughs> like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 has a chainsaw fight in it. Um, is there... Ever anything been a with bigger chainsaw dead? than in Mandy, though? That's the biggest no, chainsaw I've never seen. Yeah, that's a, that's a real big bar. Okay, and I love the reveal of it, too. Oh, yeah. for sure. That part was great. Um, except even at that point, like, I that was so superfluous. Right, like, why, why have a cha- why have a chainsaw fight? Other than, hey guys, mm-hmm. I really want to put a chainsaw fight in. I mean, it's fucking cool. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> Sorry about the language. I, I've just been putting explicit filters on here lately. I mean, I I feel like it should better pair up with the with the PG rating of the film we're reviewing. Honestly. So, so one thing I yeah. noticed is the the references to heavy metal in the um in the film, like the opening uh text in the film is I I think it's lyrics, right? Uh, oh and, and right, 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 right. I, I and then the cartoon. The cartoon, but then even the title yeah. card is written in death death metal. In uh, death font. metal font, yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but, and all okay. the t-shirts are death or metal t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they definitely are. They're pretty rad. Although, so like, but he dropped his legendary hand-forged axe mm-hmm. to pick up a non-functional chainsaw. Okay, here, here's the thing. Okay, is I really think that the chainsaw fight is an homage to other movies. Okay, like. And that he's is a lot badass. He's a logger. He's yeah. like, this is he's my wheelhouse. I mean, I mean it, it, an axe would su- suffice for a logger too, but he's a right. modern logger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. as 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 an homage to other works, like I appreciate that. And I appreciate it, but I do wish that they would have mm. found a better reason for him to pick up the chainsaw than, hey, dude, I'm going to pick up this chainsaw. No, I'm telling you, like, again, I love a chainsaw fight. Yeah, I don't too. care what the impetus is. If you come into it and, like, even in uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, there's a chainsaw fight in that. And <laughs> that's that's what spawned the conversation with my son. In the first place, okay, because uh, that's when I was like, I love a chainsaw fight. I do. I see just any time that there's a chainsaw being wielded towards someone, like that is so ineffective. It is a terrible weapon. Yeah, but, damn if it isn't cool. Awful. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes, metal as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, except nothing is more metal than a pure steel axe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's as metal as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, like... I think that that axe is actually in, forged in the uh, image of a logo for a metal band. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's just rad. Oh, my. I see. I, I'm not a metal man, so I don't know any of this. But that's amazing. Like, I love the crud out of that. The band isn't called Celtic Frost. The band is called Celtic Frost. Celtic Frost, and it's the F in the band's name. Oh, rad. I might listen to that on the way to work later. (laughs) You know, I've never listened to them. I can't, I cannot make a recommendation for Celtic Frost, although they sound pretty great. Right? I mean, I have a lot of people who I care for who care for metal, right? So I feel like I should try harder than I do. Well, I think that we've hit our time and no better way to go out than to say uh, the ending of Mandy was beautiful. When he's driving off in the car, Covered in blood, looking at the passenger seat. <laughs> he gets a little flashback and has the most wonderful smile on his face. That's how I want to leave this this podcast recording with the the maniac grin of Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And next week we're going to be doing uh, Better Off Dead. And until then, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.